Welcome to the Sobity Chat Podcast. If you are new and welcome back if you are a regular and a part of the fam. My name is Fatima and the Sobity Chat is a self-care community and podcast designed to empower women through faith-infused resources, mental health support, coaching, and wellness events. So before we dive in, let's chat about a few ways that you can support the show. The first way is by subscribing wherever you are listening. The second way is to share with a friend. If you think that this episode or this show will provide value to their lives, please go ahead and drop them that link. The third way is to rate and review via iTunes or wherever you're listening, but iTunes is probably the most primary source where my listeners come from. So make sure you head over there and leave a comment about why you like the show and leave a rating. And then finally is by submitting your questions via email, which is sobdchat at gmail.com, my personal Instagram, Fatima underscore farmer, or by sending a voice message right here on Anchor if that's where you're listening. So without further ado, let's get into today's show. I'm excited to dive in with today's guest. I'm going to be interviewing Jasmine Lamb. And I would love for you to just introduce yourself, let us know who you are and what you do. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I am a, uh, you know, really, as I like to call it, a creative multi-hyphenate um, through and through. Um, by trade, I am a uh, marketing and brand consultant um, where I work with uh, brands and tech startups, um, and by passion, I'm also a career and wellness coach, um, where I help purpose-driven creators, artists, um, actualize their gifts and sort of turn them into reality. Um, I'm also the founder of What We Share, um, which is a lifestyle platform designed specifically to support um, the multi-hyphenate creator and sort of their unique experiences and, um, you know, challenges and opportunities and all of those things. Okay. So before I go to my next question, I want to just say, I love your elevator pitch. Like it's just so well crafted. <laughs> like, I'm just, like as a person that's also into marketing and like does that for nine to five jobs, it's like, I can just see the thought that you put into that. So thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, so I would love to know a little bit about why this is important to you, because you touched on like a lot of different things from the brand consulting to being a career and wellness coach and the founder yeah. of your own platform. And I, I would love to kind of start with your story and just understanding what led you to this point of knowing that these were the things that you wanted to focus on and, and to the point where you're able to just articulate them so clearly? Right. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I think so. I originally started out in my career um, actually thinking that I wanted to do fashion PR. <laughs> so that was where I started um, in school. I studied journalism and public relations. Um, I did, you know, probably about six internships that were related to PR and quickly realized that was not for me. Um, and so uh, I ventured into uh, fashion publishing. Uh, my dream was kind of, you know, I think the Devil Wears Prada came out around the time mm -hmm. that um, I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, and so, yeah, I've always had sort of a passion for personal style and expression. And so I did that. Um, and then after working in the publishing industry for about two and a half years, that was when um, kind of the tech industry really started to boom. And, you know, I knew I loved media. I knew I loved storytelling. And I just felt like, you know, tech was where I needed to be. Um, you know, I think we can all relate as ambitious creatives of just having that intuitive hit of like, okay, this feels like where things are going. And so I want to be in that space. Um, and mm -hmm. it was really that simple. And so um, I transitioned into um, the tech startup world. And meanwhile, while I was both in publishing and in tech startups, I feel like, um, you know, as creative entrepreneurs, we've all sort of experienced this um, sort of multiplicity in terms of, you know, our passions, our pursuits. And so um, I was, you know, doing a lot of things on the side, a lot of creative projects specifically related to helping artists and um, artists and creatives. Um, mm -hmm. Those were my friends. Those were my community. And so when I wasn't, you know, sitting at a desk, uh, sort of, you know, on that grind, I was, you know, at 
sort of more like underground events and parties um, with artists. And um, it's funny because during the day I was kind of like seen as more creative person at my nine to five. And then when I would go to these parties, you know, they kind of saw me as like the business person, you know, like mm. Jasmine's the person to go to if you're trying to partner with a brand or you're really trying to understand, you know, how to um, sort of work with businesses. I think, you know, there was also on the rise this trend of, um, you know, brands realizing that they needed to actually include artists as a part of culture and a part of the conversation. Um, and so I've always kind of felt like I was um, at the intersection of that or kind of like a translator on both sides because, you know, I had this, um, this sort of connection, this innate connection with creatives, but I also understood the brand language. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think working with artists and being helping them sort of tell their story and being a voice for them, um, it's important to me, I think just because of um, the connection that I have. I think as a marketer, you, you know, you can sort of choose any industry. And I've always felt like I've related to the creative mind the most. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, the people who have these stories to tell is what motivates me to do this work. Mm. So you mentioned something really interesting of how when you were in nine to five spaces, you know, you were the creative. But when you were in right. the creative settings, people viewed you as the business person. So I'm curious to know if you because of that duality, if you ever experienced like imposter syndrome or just feeling like that, like a little un like unsure of yourself or what was that journey like of getting to a place where you were able to navigate both of those at the same time? And I asked that yeah. question because I think a lot of people who might be listening, like have, they have their nine to five thing and they have their thing that they're passionate about and it may not always overlap. So sometimes it's like you have to wear two hats almost. Um, right. so I'm curious to know what that felt like for you during that time. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, it's funny because I, the about sometime last year, I sort of got some energy work done and she told me that she's like, you have this shadow around like whether you identify as being a creative or not. And, mm. you know, I sort of started doing the spiritual work around that because I realized that, you know, I did struggle with, um, with identifying as a creative. I think that um, if you would have asked me before I sort of dived into that community, I would have told you, you know, I'm a creative through and through. Even in college, most of my friends were actually in like pre-med or pre-dental. And so I'd always associated with being sort of the artsy creative type. And the more I dived into that space, um, I don't know if it was imposter syndrome in that particular space. It was more uh, just feeling like, you know, have I earned the right to call myself this almost mm. because I didn't have a tangible um, craft that a lot of my artist peers had, you know, they were either musicians, they were visual artists, they produced something. Um, and so I think I, you know, sort of just fell in this rhythm of, okay, um, I think it also is really much, very much manifested in my work now in the sense that my business is, you know, about 50% working with brands, 50% working with artists. And I still kind of do, when I'm working with brands, they hire me for my creativity, right? They mm -hmm. hire me to think outside of the box. But when I'm working with an artist, I, I definitely still play the role as, um, you know, the more sort of business-minded strategic person. And I think, you know, for a while, like I said, I did struggle with sort of, am I creative? Am I not a creative? And now I'm, I think, especially through realizing my passion of coaching and just um, sort of diving more into being a solopreneur, I've realized that creativity can look very different for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, I love that you touched on that, because I feel like that's something that recently since losing my job and kind of being in this space where I'm really navigating, like what I want to do next, I've been right having this like I'm mapping out these different paths and I'm like wow one is like right. very create like creative in the sense where it's like that is what my main focus is when I'm in a nine to five setting but then there's like all these other things that I do so I think that's really interesting right. that you talk about that just like that fusing them together and 
you mentioned that you had got, um, I think you said it was a reading and I'm just curious to know what type of spiritual work did you do after that? Like after you had that moment of like realizing, okay, this is something that I'm struggling with and that I need to get a little more clear on if I'm going to be effective in this space. Like what did that process look like for you when you digged into some of the spiritual aspects of it? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, when I first, I, I think I only recently even realized that I had grappled with it. I think when I was struggling with it, I hadn't even fully become aware. And I just kind of, you know, masked it with being like, you know, you are creative, right? Just mm. being like, that is the thing. It's fine. It wasn't until um, I got a, I had a human design reading mm. um, and it sort of explores um, your different chakras and kind of your strengths and what, you know, what holds you back or what are your gifts and, um, for me, uh, my focal points and my chakras are my throat chakra and my mouth chakra. Um, and so being able to articulate what I'm feeling, what others are feeling is very important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had found, though, that in terms of, you know, part of my reading was basically included that there was a ton of creative energy um, involved in my gifts and things like that. And I don't even remember where we had gotten in the conversation, but she was like, I think you need to, you have to do some shadow work around being a creative, which means that you have mental, either mental, emotional, or spiritual blocks around that, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I think for me where I would say the work, the work or processing that comes from taking more ownership over my ideas. I think mm -hmm. a lot of times when you're a creative behind the scenes or you're a creative for other creatives, right? you're kind of the person behind the creative in mm -hmm. certain ways. It's like, you're so used to kind of, you know, lending people your ideas or um, sort of being a silent voice. And I think for me, it's really come through voicing um, just a lot of things about what I believe, um, sort of like as I'm growing as a, as a brand, like taking more ownership over my thoughts and ideas. I think that's really empowered me to be like, you know, these came, these ideas, after soaking up a lot of different things, they've come from me. And, you know, creativity can be thought, creativity can be your words, creativity um, can be just thinking about things differently. Um, mm. And so I think when I start to work that muscle more, I've noticed that I just feel more empowered to say, you know, yes, I am a creative. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I think, um, I feel like I can see that in like your Instagram and stuff like from what I can see you, you're reflecting that you're expressing your voice. You know, I've actually done the, I haven't gotten a reading in human design, but I've done the little, um, quiz to find out what I am. Right. I'm a projector by the way, in case anyone's curious. Me too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. but yeah, my, yeah. I had the same thing where my throat chakra was a big one for me. And it's just like right. finding those ways to express yourself, like to verbally right. express yourself and to express what you're passionate about what you feel, your emotions, like right. that's so important and it can be so limiting and sometimes we don't even realize it. Um, so I'm really glad right. that you touched on that. Um, so I'm curious to know, so you mentioned, you know, navigating the, like the corporate space and working with tech companies. And you also talked mm -hmm. about the business side of it. I would love to hear about your journey to moving to LA because I know that you live here now yeah. and I met, I actually mm -hmm. met Jasmine for the listeners. I actually met you because I, when I was planning to move, I, I don't even know how I found you, but I found you somehow, <laughs> whether it was on Instagram or LinkedIn or somewhere. And I just was like, she's doing what seems very aligned with like a lot of the things that I would like to do as far as the right. um, consultancy and just building your own business. And I was like, I just want to understand like, what was your process to getting here? So I would love to, for you to share that with the listeners of, you know, when did you decide that you wanted to move to LA and, and also why did you think that it was important for you to be here at that time? Mm. Yeah, that's a big, this, this is a big, a huge, probably defining chapter in my life. Um, it was around 2017. Um, I think it was maybe around May. I was still living in New York. Um, at that time I had been in New York for about five years. Um, and I was definitely starting to feel a little bit burnt out. 
um, not just in work, but also my personal life. Um, and, you know, I remember literally walking to the train um, and, you know, I also, I, my lease was about to be up, which I think for anyone who lives in big cities knows that kind of pressure of like, okay, am I going to renew my lease again? You know, it kind of puts the fire under your butt to like make a decision. And so mm-hmm. um, I was walking to the train and I just, you know, it was bigger than not, not wanting to go to work. It was like, you know, something's got to change. And basically the question that popped into my mind is, do you like to me signing a lease meant signing another year of living my life the way that I was living it. Mm. (laughs) And um, for me, a lot of times making big decisions, even though they might be scary, that's really the question that comes up is like, okay, what's the alternative if I don't take this leap, right? What's the thing that I have to keep suffering through? Mm. Um, And so I think it was like a Monday or a Tuesday on that Friday, um, I gave my two weeks. And, you know, it was really hard. I actually, I actually didn't like hate my job, right? Mm. I loved the people I worked with. Um, I thought the work I was doing, you know, I was like at least in a somewhat space of being still passionate about it, but I just knew that the way my life was going, like, I'm like, I can't lose another year. Um, Mm. And so by the end of that month, um, you know, I moved out and, you know, everyone had kind of asked me at my job, they're like, what are you going to do next? Because, you know, it wasn't like I had applied to another job. Um, frankly, I didn't even know. I knew I wanted to leave New York. I didn't know yet where I wanted to go. Um, so I had a, it wasn't like, okay, I'm deciding to go from New York to LA at the time. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I need to leave New York. And, you know, I told them, I'm like, I'm going to consult, you know, and at the time, it's like, I knew that meant going out on my own. I didn't, even exactly know what consulting meant. I think that was the beginning of my faith journey really kicking up again because, um, you know, to be completely transparent, New York was a a time in my life where my faith was probably the weakest. Mm. Um, I wasn't involved in, you know, any sort of church communities or I wasn't going to church. I wasn't, you know, there was, I think it was just a time in my life where I was kind of doing the cliche, you know, rebelling against, you know, what my parents wanted me to do, or, you know, sort of them having these, uh, as at the time, I felt kind of these strict beliefs around certain things. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, while I was figuring out where I wanted to go next, I went back home, I did some traveling, but mostly went back home to kind of, you know, heal, I felt like I had a lot of healing to do. Um, You know, I love New York so much, but I felt like, you know, I spent the first half of my 20s there and I felt like there was a lot of trauma I needed to work through. Mm. Um, and so when I went home, you know, I think I give my parents a lot of credit for, you know, they never kind of were like, if you're, you know, under our roof, you need to be going to church or whatever. Like they were very much led by example. And so, you know, every Sunday it's, you know, it'd be Sunday morning and they'd say, Hey, you know, we're leaving at this time. If you want to go, like, let us know. And, you know, I was at a very low point in my life and I was for the first, you know, month, probably I was like, nah, I'm good. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like it's cool. Never haven't really done this in a while, not into it. And then something just told me to go. Um, and I would say that was the sort of like reigniting of my faith walk. Um, and from that moment, I was home from probably about uh, September through January. And I sort of developed this routine where, you know, I was just, I mean, it was, it was kind of like getting to know what I believed from, from choices that I made, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people shy away from spirituality or whatever it might be because they feel like it's sort of someone else telling them what to do. Um, And I really started to figure out what it meant for me. And my faith intensified a lot. I mean, I was praying. I had a very almost strict routine. I don't think I would have described it that way um, at the time. But looking back, there's actually pieces of it that I'm like, oh, I should probably adopt that again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had to because I honestly... I was torn between London and LA. I kind of always wanted to live on the West Coast, but I also have always wanted to live international. And I was really like kind of just waiting to see what what God said. And a lot of times in my prayers, I would say, um, I would say, you know, you know that 
I'm, if anyone's going to go wherever you need them to go, it's me, mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I grew up as a military kid. And so, um, moving cities is actually much feels much more normal to me than staying put for too long. And so mm. I was like, you know, you know, that if you tell me I need to go across the country by myself, like I'm going to pack my bags and go, you know? And so that was a big part of the process. Mm. I love that. I love that. It speaks so much to just like this concept that as, as believers, we're supposed to be vessels, right? And like right. you taking that moment and that prayer and saying so boldly, like that's such a bold thing to say of like, if you yeah. need me to go here, whatever you need me to do, like I'm the person for the job. It's like, that's right. so admirable. And I would, I would love to hear a little bit about like, you mentioned going back home once you kind of had that conversation with yourself of, well, what's the alternative? Like, I think that's such a powerful right. question that I actually want to just highlight for a second for anyone that's listening. If you feel like you're in a season of like making a big decision or transition and you don't know what to do, that question that you stated of, well, what's the alternative if I live this way for another year? That's huge. Like right. that, I feel like that can so quickly help a lot of people get a lot of clarity. So thank you for sharing that. But I would also love to hear a little bit about, you mentioned like you knew that you felt this desire to just leave New York and to go back home because you felt like you needed healing. And yeah. I'm curious to know in what ways did that manifest in your life where you were like, okay, I need to just like pause and just like work on myself because something's not right. Like what were the, 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 manifestation of that in your physical life yeah um i think you know unfortunately i think sometimes change happens when you know it's like the universe kind of hits you on all fronts right it's like mm -hmm. i i'm strongly believe that you know if you don't get the sign the first time you know the universe will knock again if you don't get it the third time like it will literally get to the point where it'll like everything will start falling apart um, until you get the message. And I think that that was kind of the case for me. I think that, you know, work, like I said, looking back, like work probably wasn't even the worst thing. I would say it was really my relationships. Um, I was in a um, relationship at the time. And, you know, I think that there was a lot of sort of like toxic behavior in the relationship, um, you know, not really... And I, and I often, you know, I also believe that your relationships, whether they're friends or romantic relationships are very much a mirror of where you're at in your life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to attract the people that sort of mirror the place or the season that you're in. And so that was, that was a big sort of waking, waking up for me um, was just in that situation. And then also even my, you know, my relationships with work, um, you know, I think sometimes as um, empaths or people who are really sensitive to energy, um, there are often times for me, setting boundaries is really hard. Mm. So I think that's kind of a big, that's a big theme for me. Um, and so sometimes I get to this point where I'm kind of energetically burnt out. Um, and I feel like I had gotten to that point where it was like I had nothing left to give and yet I was still trying to do so much. I was still trying to show up and I didn't really feel like anything was filling my cup. I mean, looking back, I think not ha having any strength in my faith, no matter what that was, is a big part, right? When mm. you have some, you kind of have nothing to um, sort of like dig deep in to fill your cup, you know, it things are gonna feel very hollow. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I had just sort of, my cup was so empty that you know, I just felt like there was nothing left. Um, mm. And yeah, I would say that was definitely one of the probably darkest moments of my life or seasons of my life. Mm. And when you started to go on that healing journey and like, yeah, I feel like it's it really is a journey. So it's hard to kind of say when you start and when you end is kind of just like this fluid right. thing. But there are like those pivotal moments where you're like where you yeah. some, you take a step back and you're like, wait, I'm making progress. Like I've grown so much. Right. So I'm curious to know 
if you had any of those moments and if you can if you can remember any that you would share with us around when you just maybe took a step back and realized from how you felt in New York to when you were back yeah. home and, and doing your healing process and then even moving here, like those different moments that just stood out as like growth spurts. Before we get any further into this episode, I want to share with you a resource that I've been using called Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a solution for people seeking traditional mental health counseling who would prefer hearing from the perspective of a Christian. If you are seeking a mental health professional who is a practicing Christian, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. I'm going to share a few details about this app in case you're interested in checking it out. One of the best things is that you can start communicating in under 24 hours. This is not a crisis line and is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online with real therapists. One of the best things also is that there is a broad range of expertise in faithful counseling's counselors network, which may not be locally available in some areas. However, the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. And you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, as with traditional therapy. Faithful Counseling is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available for those who need assistance. Faithful Counseling wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read some of their testimonials that are posted daily, or you can listen to my personal review that I shared a few years ago, I think, maybe like a year or so ago, um, before this collaboration came about, and you can learn about my personal experience. If you're interested in signing up and joining over half a million people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of a professional, uh, use my link, getfaithful.com slash soulbeauty. Again, if you're interested in taking charge of your mental health, use my link, getfaithful.com slash soulbeauty. By using my link, you will get 10% off your first month of sessions. And again, that's getfaithful.com slash soul beauty. Back to the episode. Right, right. Um, so I can probably think that, so the first memory that always comes up for me actually is, um, I remember, uh, so my parents, again, like I said, my, my family's in the military, my dad's in the military. And so um, they've kind of moved around a lot. At the time, they were in Florida. Um, and so, you know, I think that definitely helped to, you know, part of my healing. The sun is not anything to be taken for granted. <laughs> um, and I remember specifically being in the pool, listening to a Deepak Chopra meditation <laughs> and just feeling this like innate joy, um, mm. like just feeling so peaceful. And it was like in the middle of the day, you know, I was just sort of starting my consulting. And so, you know, I literally could make my own routine and didn't really have a whole lot of, you know, worries other than focusing on my healing. And I just remember, um, yeah, I would, I would say this inner joy, this inner bliss um, that I just hadn't felt probably in at least a year. Um, so that was a big thing. I think that was also a big start of my mindfulness journey, right? Mm. Um, I had never meditated before and I started to meditate for the first time ever um, during that time while I was home. And I think that that was a huge um, contributor to my healing. And then another moment I recall is um, getting my first, like my first check from consulting. Mm. I remember, um, you know, like I said, I, you know, I definitely had, you know, I was confident that I was going to figure this thing out. But did I know how? No. Um, and so, oh, I this this portion of the story is actually crazy. So, as I'm, you know, slowly sort of starting my faith journey, I remember um, it was probably a, like a month after I had left New York. I was um, went to New Orleans for my birthday, and I had gotten, and I basically ended up having to sleep in the airport one night, which had never happened to me before. 
Um, I, the wrong, like most people they know, now I know there's only one big airport in NOLA, but there's actually this other random airport that's like an hour away. Um, I also had forgotten my phone on this trip. Oh my I God. can't believe I forgot about this. <laughs> so yeah, this, this was, I think something that this was definitely God working a hundred percent. So mm. I forgot my phone. Um, and I, and I never ended up getting it. Um, it was like, I would either miss my flight or have my phone with me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be fully present on this trip. It's fine. So, um, I get to the airport and my, and I have a different airport. So just imagine, you know, I spend the next hour and a half trying to get to another airport with no phone. I can't call an Uber. I'm like going to help desk. I don't know any directions around the city. I end up getting some sort of like really sketchy car situation that's driving me like through the like planes of Louisiana <laughs> to get to this really tiny airport. And then um, at that point, I think I had missed my flight. Yeah, I'm assuming I missed my flight. And so the first flight out was super early and I was like, there's no way I'm leaving this airport. And so I just kind of was hanging out there. And I remember sort of, you know, when, you, when you're sort of doing that loose prayer, like it's like before you get heavy into prayer, you just start talking to God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're just like, all right, you know, when I get back home, because after my birthday was when I was like, okay, I'm going to get really serious about getting clients. And so um, I remember uh, either finding or someone sent me this link to this um, women in email Facebook group, um, mm -hmm. because my last job was specifically I worked in content and email marketing. And so they like sent it to me. And um, long story short, I had gotten an email while I was at the airport that was like basically, you know, from this agency, this woman who's now a mentor of mine, and we still work together, she still brings me clients. She was basically like, I heard you're looking for work. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, next morning, finally got on the plane, went back home. And so that ended up being my first client. Um, but I think, you know, also at the time I started, um, tithing again and giving became really clear to me. So mm. when I started getting my, you know, the first check and then the second check, you know, it was to the point where my parents were like, look, you know, I don't think you should put that. I don't think you should give that much. They wow. literally would, they literally told me like, you know, like, I think you should just be mindful of like how much you're tithing or whatever. And for me, that just made it more clear that like, you know, I'm like, this is what I'm feel like I'm supposed to do. And I really think that that process of actually giving kind of was why my first year of consulting was so fruitful. I mean, it was, I think a lot of times people have the story of it being sort of this struggle. And for me, it was a super abundant year. And I attribute a lot of that to giving back to you know, God and the source that was supplying me with that work. Wow. I love that so, so much because you're absolutely right. There's so many stories of the struggle. Like if you're taking yeah. a leap of faith and you're doing something that, you know, your heart is calling you and God is calling you to do. There's just like, there's this constant story of it has to be a struggle. It has to be hard. Like right. we sometimes, we start to believe that that's the only way sometimes. So I think it's so right. beautiful that you're sharing that you had a year of just abundance and you were giving. And I, I also want to kind of talk a little bit about dealing with the doubt while you were yeah. on your spiritual journey, because that's, that can be really critical to a lot of people. If you know, you're, you have this desire and your heart is soften to give and to tithe and to make it a practice and then having yeah. family or friends or partners telling you like or just sharing their thoughts of that they don't know if it's the most wise thing to do with your with your resources how did you kind of navigate yeah. that and also any other types of doubt or criticism that you got while you were on your healing journey yeah um i think that i mean i think obviously sort of feeling feeling at the time more like feeling pretty supported by my family, I felt I felt like I had more freedom to give, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that with family and friends, there is a really thin line between um, sort of, you know, there's a, or I guess I should say there are a lot of paths that you can take on the process between getting advice from people and acting on it or mm -hmm. sort of, using your own discernment on what to do. Um, and I think that's something that as creative entrepreneurs, it's like, it's a muscle that we have to figure out how to work. 
You know, Mm. I think that um, I, to this day, struggle with um, balancing sort of seeking counsel from friends, from mentors and from family and deciding what feels best for me, right? Like what actually has the most resonance. And I think that's where, you know, making sure that your faith, your one-on-one relationship with God, with source, with spirit, whatever you believe, that's really where it comes in because it's like at the end of the day, you can't have a relationship through other people. Like it has to be a one-on-one conversation that you have um, in order to make the decision. And so I, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that is, I don't know if it really ever goes away, <laughs> to be honest. I think every time, you know, I'm going to make a, a big life decision, it's like, you know, it's, I, I take in the information of the people whose opinions I really value. But I think um, probably the, you know, the biggest truth is that you're going to have to be okay with um, sort of doing the opposite of what most people's advice is. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times the advice is, uh, whatever, however it's worded, it's do the safe thing, take the safe option. And you have to literally be okay with choosing the opposite route because most of the time that means you're doing it on your own. Um, and you know, you're, and, and I think also just sort of, you know, there, there are friendships, there are relationships that I've had to, um set more boundaries with like it's like i literally there are seasons i'm in where i speak to certain people less because i know that that conversation is only going to include them sort of putting pushback onto what my intuition is telling me and i think Mm. that starts to sort of like water down your intuition and i believe we all know we all have the power to know what it is we really want regardless of what anyone else has to say about it yeah that's huge that's huge that you mentioned like in some seasons, you just have to enforce those boundaries even more with certain people. I think that's so yeah. important, especially being that we just discussed earlier, like one of the things that w- was underactive is like that throat area, which is all about speaking up right. for yourself. So I think it's actually beautiful to see how throughout this journey, you you identify what areas need to be healed. And then it's like by making decisions to take leaps of faith and to do things that you know, other people may not have agreed with or understood right away, you were still able to find abundance, but also to grow spiritually. Like now you are so much stronger in your, your boundaries. And I'm sure, and just like being clear and following your intuition, whereas before it was like the foundation of your, your anchor of spirituality wasn't even there. So that's beautiful that I'm so glad that you shared that. Um, I would love to kind of shift gears as before we wrap up and talk a little bit about, what are some things that you are currently dealing with spiritually? Like we mentioned before, it's a journey. So what are some things like happening in your life right now that you're uh, processing, healing through, or just exploring? Um, I know when we were, when we were hanging out, we talked about like loneliness in LA and how like just sometimes that distance between your, your family, your friends can just be intense um, that's yeah. something for me personally that I'm dealing with, but I would yeah. love to know where are you in your spiritual journey right now? Sure. I mean, I think that, um, you know, being away from family, it never gets easier. I think that, um, as time passes, um, I find it especially, especially hard in tough seasons or seasons of transition to, um, sort of up my faith in terms of, the purpose of why I'm here, right? And why I'm Mm -hmm. out in Los Angeles. Um, You know, I, I'm blessed to be able to go home, you know, a few times, times a year, at least, or if I'm traveling for work, I'll, you know, head sort of down south a little bit to see my family. But in general, um, yeah, I think as time passes it, I would say in some ways, it intensifies in some ways, you know, friends and family are kind of like, all right, you got it out your system. Like, mm-hmm. are you heading back? You know, are you going to come home now? And so I would say that it actually, in some ways, gets harder to kind of stand your ground. Um, just because, at least for me personally, that's been my experience where, you know, I, again, I've had conversations with God where I'm like, you know, I really just need more clarity. I need more discernment on you know, why it is that I'm here and what's my purpose here. Um, And, you know, I, you know, my dad is great and he's uh, very, you know, very well versed in the scripture. And oftentimes he talks a lot about how, you know, there are so many disciples in the Bible where it's like, 
they couldn't be close to home in order to do what God needed to do in their lives because, you know, their family sees them as their daughter or their sister or whatever. And that's kind of the sacrifice that you make when you decide to commit to having a purpose-driven journey. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, I think, where I'm at as far as being separated. But I think it also motivates you more to kind of, I wouldn't even say not waste time. I think it goes back to, um, I'm sort of in a, in a, in a repeat season, or I guess a new season of setting even, I, I think for me, setting boundaries is one of those things that I, it's going to always be a constant, <laughs> a constant for me just mm-hmm. because, um, you know, again, I think like as impacts, we just naturally take on other people's energy a lot. Um, it's really hard to kind of say no to close friends or people that you feel like might be going through something. But I realized that it's a big, it can be a big blocker to what I need to do. Mm. Um, You know, I had a conversation with one of my best friends yesterday, you know, she lives on the East Coast and she go and I was just kind of telling her about my week, how I felt like I was being pulled in a bunch of different directions. She goes, yeah, I can feel she goes, your energy feels really crowded right now. Like it feels like there's a lot of people like pulling at you. Like she literally was like, it feels heavier than normal. And so Mm. I definitely think I'm at a season where, you know, balancing sort of reaching out to community and being engaged in that way, but also um, sort of knowing when to, when to like be involved and when not to be involved, if that makes sense. (laughs) Um, That's, that's a huge thing. And again, it's like, it's, it's, I think the, you know, the, the loneliness part comes up again. And just that, you know, I'm, I think if you listen to any, you know, talks or interviews or watch any documentaries on, you know, people who have done great things, oftentimes a common thread is that, you know, they, they like, in some ways they kind of were isolated. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's very hard to stay focused on your specific path when you are, um, sort of distracted by other people's energy. And I think, you know, something that was a big lesson that I feel like I had to learn a few times was that you can't take everyone with you, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so that's kind of, you know, that's been a big part of the process as well. Yeah, it reminds me of what we talked about earlier around being a vessel. It's like, in in order to be a vessel, you have to be completely like flexible and pliable and willing yeah. to just show up and do what's necessary. And I think you sharing that really speaks to that side of, you know, the living your best life that we see all over social media, the side that like people don't right. talk about sometimes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you may yeah. see that I moved across the country and I'm doing this amazing thing and I have my business and I'm hosting these events, but there's a, a underside of that, which required a lot of sacrifice and required a lot of not doing what was safe or what made sense and feeling misunderstood a lot of the times by people that you really care about, you know? So I'm really right. grateful that you shared that because I think a lot of people will be able to relate to if they have that feeling of, I, I have an assignment here. You know, I think I understood what you meant when you yeah. said like, it makes you want to not waste time. It's like you have a sense of urgency because you know yeah. how much you're sacrificing just to be here, just to be doing this thing. Right. So it's like, I can't just kind of like, I can take my time, but you're like always conscious and always thinking of just, am I moving at a pace that God feels like he entrusted this responsibility to the right person. Right. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So I would love to kind of talk a little bit about some of the self care and faith practices that you have now, because you shared how you went from not having a foundation or anchor at all to then getting like almost very strict. So what does your practice and routine looks like now? Yeah, so um, it's interesting because, like I said, a big thing for me and my faith is just um, really figuring out what it means to me. Like, how does it resonate? Um, you know, I I would say last year, a mentor of mine told me she's like, "You're going. You've been going on a spiritual pilgrimage," um, and I think <laughs> LA is actually a great place to do that. It is. Um, where. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like, you know, you could go, you can try out a church one weekend, you can try out a, you know, I remember I went to a Buddhist temple service with a friend, you know, in Hollywood. And, you know, there's so many different routes you can take. And for me, I think a big part, um, something that I've really come to embrace is that um, it's like, you know, being like, I think we all have probably explored what it means to us being spiritual versus being religious, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and sort of, so, you know, in a day I might, you know, listen to a sermon, um, as well as, you know, listening to Wayne Dyer on YouTube and, you know, listen to another video about the law of attraction. And to me, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that's, that's really important to me. I think that helps to actually strengthen my faith a lot because, um, I realized that we all really are all seeking the same things. And mm-hmm. I realized that, you know, that love, as cheesy as it might sound, is really the center of everything and that we all believe in something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's really important to me is just that creativity and that play. So as far as like a more strict routine, um, right now I'm actually doing the one year, uh, one year in the Bible and the Bible app. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think I don't, anyone who grew up in the church probably was like at one point, like, I'm going to try to read the whole Bible <laughs> and like have never succeeded. You know, I never get past Genesis. And so <laughs> recently um, I've sort of gotten back into the Bible app, which I think from, from both a faith standpoint and from a technology standpoint, that app, I just think is just, is really smart. And I yeah. think that it keeps me super engaged. And so um, I decided, you know, this year that because I, I believe more than anything that the stories that are in there have something to teach me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what motivates me is like, you know, I'm in a big season of transition right now as far as far as my career. And I know that, you know, just like, you know, going to a panel or talk and hearing about other people going through what I'm going through can help me. There are stories that have happened, you know, <laughs> millions of years before I got here that have lessons in them. Mm. Um, And so that's been a big part of my practice. Every morning I, uh, you know, go through at least one of the sort of, I guess, like day programs. They're pretty hefty too. So I recently realized that you can also just play the audio um, because it is like a lot of text, but that's kept me really grounded. And then um, right after that, I usually meditate um, for a minimum of 10 minutes, if I'm really t- having a tight schedule that day. And then on the longer and during the week, it'll be like a 20 minute meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also kind of evolved. Like I said, when I first started, I was really into, um, Deepak Chopra tapes or, you know, uh, verbal meditations. And now, um, I, it's either silent or sort of like sound bowls, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get more in tune with, my own uh sort of my own mind yeah um and then a prayer after that just to start the day and kind of you know meld it all together and so that's kind of my morning routine um and if I can get physical activity in there that's hard for me sometimes depending on depending on the season I will but the devotions and the meditation are just like sort of my like those need to happen otherwise my day just doesn't go right yeah I love that. I love that you found a found a routine that works for you and yeah. works for your lifestyle. But most importantly, it's like it feels like you're getting the most out of it and the most connection to God so you can start your day and be productive. So thank you for sharing right. that. Um, yeah, of course. The last question I want to ask you or second to last question is kind of a fun one that I actually got from this game called We're Not Really Strangers. If anyone's curious where this question comes from, it's like one of my favorite questions to ask people lately. But if you had to give this chapter of your life a title, what would you name it and why? Mm, That's good. So um, I had to give this season a title. Um, So it's funny because I was getting coffee with a friend recently and she's like, do you know what your, what year you're in? So I, you know, there's like numerology where you all, everyone has a a number, but then there's like a number for the year that you're in, which I didn't know. So of course I was like, Oh, we got to calculate it. And I figured out that this year was the year number eight for me. Um, and she was kind of explaining to me what, and this was, you know, we're still kind of the beginning of the year. 
because if you asked me this like January one, I probably I probably would say it was called clarity. Mm. That's something that I'm definitely wanting more of. But then she also said that um, the year eight is about being audacious and audacity. Mm. <laughs> and that really has resonated with me. So I'm kind of have been claiming both. I'm like clarity and then audaciousness, right? It's like, okay, get clarity on what it is and then go at it all the way, right? Don't like kind of think about it or start it and stop like how, and I think it also goes back to the sort of speaking your truth thing of like, um, you know, how can I sort of show up in the boldest way possible mm -hmm. about whatever it is that I'm doing. So um, that's something I'm really excited to like keep sort of uh, embodying this year. Mm -hmm. Love that. Speaking of showing up, what are some of the products or projects and resources that you have or that you're working on that you can share with the audience? Sure. Um, so I recently um, led a new workshop um, as a part of what we share. Um, and it is, so I have a workshop series called Not Your Average CEO. And I recently partnered with Word Agency on um, National Day of Rest and led a workshop that was focused on um, how to be more mindful in your day-to-day -day life, specifically for creative entrepreneurs, people who work from home or from coffee shops, because you know we get to make our own schedules, and that means that you know that can either go really well in a day or it can be a struggle. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know that is something that is just it's really resonated with a lot of my audience, and so I've decided that I'm going to um, launch it online as well. Um, and so, you know, if you sign up for the What We Share newsletter, um, you'll get more details about that. Um, and then the second thing is I also want to um, start doing sort of these mini meditation challenges for people who are new to mindfulness and meditation. Mm. Um, and so at the same time, I'll be launching a seven day meditation challenge. So once a day for 10 minutes for seven days straight. Um, and then we'll also be journaling and communing in the process to kind of see how it changes our week. Because I think that we're all, um, we're, we as creatives are often very big picture minded. I know I am. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard sometimes to be like, okay, focus on like the next step, focus on how, like what feels good about today, the now, the present. And so a lot of the content that I'm um, working on right now are passionate about is really about daily mindfulness, daily faith, daily commitment. Mm, love that. I feel like I'm, I, I need that. So I'm going to go ahead and sign up for your newsletter. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, literally right. before we got on the phone, I was like mapping out a whole vision and I was just like, okay, but I need to take one step today. And I don't know what that step is, but I have like a thousand steps in front of me right now. <laughs> right. Okay. So great. I'm excited about that. Well, I'm going to make sure that I include all of the links to your website and to where people can sign up for this stuff in the description box. So if you're listening and you feel like she's speaking to you, make sure you click in the description of this podcast and go ahead and sign up. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank um, you. I really thank enjoyed you. this conversation. I think the audience will too. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode.